What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Impact Show. This is your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. If you want to build an elite team, you have to have a generational impact mindset. That mindset allows you to focus on development, engagement, and retention of your employees, which sets your organization up for long-term sustainable success. If you don't do that, you're going to end up finding yourself on the talent attraction hamster wheel. So how do you build an organization that has this sort of mindset? That's what Tony Gupton, VP of HR at All Native Group, the Federal Services Division of Ho-Chunk, Inc., is going to help us tackle today. Let me tell you a little bit about Tony's background. He's a dedicated human resources leader with a passion for fostering collaborative workplace cultures and facilitating employee development. He's got over 20 years of experience in government consulting and healthcare HR operations. He's played a key role in building high-performance teams. He's known for his ability to create inclusive and supportive work environments. And in his free time, he enjoys attending sporting events, playing golf, boo, exercising, and then supporting and coaching in the Special Olympics. Tony Gupton, welcome to the show. Jim, glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah, this is, a, this is going to be a really interesting conversation because you're actually the first person that we've had on that has the depth of experience in government contracting and federal services, but also coming from a First Nations environment as well. So I think that's going to have a unique perspective that you bring to the table. What I'd like you to do before we dive into the big chunk of the conversation is share with the audience a little bit some of the background and experiences that's going to add context and offer a lens into the rest of the conversation. We deal with such a changing landscape in human resources, people operations, all the title changes we have to uh, our departments now is we are true business leaders and uh, business partners. Coming out of a pandemic, all the generations we have in the workplace, there's just multiple challenges and the cookie cutter approach really does not work anymore in any organization, whether it be the federal services, federal government contracting, and no matter what level of ownership, private, nonprofit, no matter which one it is in any industry, you hit it on the head there, Jim. You've got to have a generational approach and you've got to be cognizant and you've got to be attentive to the generations in the workplace and develop those generations in the workplace. You said something interesting there that I want you to expand on, and that's uh, your comment about you can't take a cookie cutter approach. And I want you to draw a distinction between the quote unquote Jack Welch era of organizational leadership and what you mean by not taking a cookie cutter approach and how that's relevant to the workplace of today. I think it goes to the employee engagement that was mentioned earlier. Just as every individual is different, every employee is different. And what I mean by that is what motivates one generation or what set of employees or even one division or department within an organization may be different than what motivates, encourages, or engages 
the employees in another department or division or of a generation. I think we have to be very flexible in our development of employees, in our motivators of employees, and what engages employees. We grew up, you mentioned it, the Jack Welch area, era, excuse me. We wanted the top floor corner office building, that type of environment. And now generations and workplaces are more collaborative. They're more into project-based. We see a lot of employees coming or candidates for employment now coming want to know our philosophical beliefs, want to know what type of corporate citizen we are. The biggest change I've seen really the last five to seven years has been the employee is really interviewing and questioning the employer about what they stand for and how the employer will help them. And the employer has to sell that now more so than what I saw in the first part of my career. The one really important thing that I want to call out from what you just said is this concept of monolithic thinking. And I really like how you said that these things need to be taken down to a function by function, division by division, individual by individual perspective. The whole idea that you can cookie cutter your approach to an entire enterprise might have worked in an era where companies dominated the, uh, the job landscape. The reality of it is in today's world, a lot of people have a lot of options, including going out on their own and monetizing their own skills on their own terms. So it's important for leaders and employers to make that connection that there's more than just one game in town. So really appreciate you sharing that. So let's set the tone and dive into the conversation. When you think about your current role, what's the accomplishment that you're most proud of? For me, the most, the accomplishment I'm most proud of is becoming a true partner and trusted advisor to the business units, not just from the human resources, human capital perspective, but how do we set our employees up for success? How do we need to strategize based on labor market information, based on demographics, based on what we're trying to accomplish for our clients and customers, being brought into those strategic conversations by the operational leaders and executives. That, that's really my proudest accomplishment is seeing my role or, or myself being taken more from a make sure we're compliant and do things right to, hey, Tony, we're thinking about this opportunity. What are your thoughts? That's really what I'm most proud of is being brought over from a checklist perspective to a head of the spear operational consult. You mentioned that shifting the way you show up from being an administrative function to being a partner in the business. You mentioned that was really important. Why is that important for HR leaders to make that pivot, regardless of the size of organization that they're in? How does that impact the function and how does that impact their career? We, we live in a technological age. We live in an age of, give me, I need one-stop shopping. I want one-stop shopping. I want to get everything I can in one place. And what HR can bring is we can bring that labor market data. We can bring that information up is regarding regulation, business regulations regarding that compliance, but also we can bring that data and that information about what the talent pool is like in an area. We also can bring the information about our internal talent. What leaders, emerging leaders do we have that can take on new and upcoming projects? What uh, leaders do we have that have a skill set that we may not be maximizing or optimizing that may help us to help a business unit achieve a goal or, or a new business or a new direction. 
because we have that knowledge of the skill set, we have that analytical and data set of information on our human capital, we're able to maximize that. It's no different than our employees are assets. We are company assets, and I don't mean to dehumanize that, but that is an advantage that human resources bring us. Our job is to know the inventory of skills and assets we have and the growth, either the growth potential or the employees and the staff that are already at a position to take the company or department or a unit to the next level. When you look at what's on deck for you in the next 12 to 18 months, what's that moonshot goal that you have on your radar that you want to knock out? I'd be remiss if I wasn't like every HR executive would say, I want turnover to be minimized. But uh, my moonshot goal would be really, we go through a global change management strategy is what I would say. And what I mean by that is where as organizations evolve, and I take my organization, for example, very high volume, very progressive, very goal-oriented, and we're international, both domestic and international in our business operations and our employee set. When I say a change in global management market strategy is I want our employees to feel safe, confident, and comfortable that when we change roles or, or move some things around or we evolve our operations or we evolve our opportunities, they have confidence to know that they're prepared and set up for that success instead of seeing that change as a threat to their success. Change is ongoing. Most of us still like what we can predict and what's consistent. Change is still disruptive. But when I say that moonshot, to get our employees and get our organization to where change is a sign of uh, progress and change is a, is a sign of opportunity instead of disruption. When I think about that tolerance for change or that capacity to accept and pivot to change, what are some of the things that you've done to build the capacity for employees at all levels to navigate that change successfully? The employees have great memories and history is going to be one indicator. And to be specific about how do you prepare or establish that mindset and that culture is transparency is key. Explaining or describing to an employee why the change is occurring. Don't just make the change and say, we're doing this for business needs. Okay. All employees expect you're doing anything is for the need and the good of the organization, but go that step further, be transparent and say why it is good for an organization. And I think that goes back to one of my earlier topics, the workforce and the labor force in our society and in our organizations. Now they grew up questioning authority more than my generation did. When you grow up and you question authority and you ask those authoritative figures why you're doing something, why you're not doing something, that's prevalent in the workplace now. We have to be prepared to answer that and not only answer it with the, the corporate line, but give that transparency and give that honest answer. Employees always respect honesty and transparency, even if it's not the favorable news, but it's the honest news. They at least know what they're working with and know how to move forward to make themselves and the organization better. You're just pointing to one of the things that is a source of friction across a lot of employees is that there's still a wide practice of leaders within organizations treating their employees as children. And I think most employees would agree that if you're just straight with them and treat them like adults and focus on outcomes and focus on clarity of communication, you would have a lot less of this friction that exists within organizations than what you're seeing. So I think uh, that's the other distinction that I uh, think it's important to call out. 
you've had a, a pretty interesting career and mm -hmm. background. When you think about the journey that you've been on, what's the leadership or HR myth that you just wish would just go away? The myth I would like to eliminate is that HR lacks the business knowledge and the data mindset to assist operations. I like HR to be seen as the department that finds a way to yes instead of finds a way to no. I guess that would be the myth I would like to dispel. Even in that, there is a, an important thing to draw out is that if HR is seen as the group or the function that figures out a way to yes, that also shifts the mindset and perspective of the broader organization of seeing HR as an administrative function versus a leadership and outcomes-based function, a function that's based on being a business partner versus cost control entity. I opened the show by saying, if you want to build an elite team, you have to have a generational impact as central to your mindset. How does that relate to the game-changing realization that you had that helped you consistently build high-performing teams? My aha moment was getting to a point in my career, my management career, where I wasn't just the one to provide the answer or the authoritative answer, but to the, the moment for me was when I reached a point where my team had the answers that I was searching for. I was obtaining data, seeking data, seeking information to develop the hypothesis and come up with the solution and go through all of these analysis and whatnot. But in the conversation with my team, and it was all levels of the team, they already had the answer that I was going to be trying to work toward because they had the data. They worked with it on a day-to-day -day basis. And I guess learning to trust that your teams, that you've developed your teams, that your teams have the knowledge, the know-how, and know what you want to know and need to know. They can predict what I, as a leader, what I'm looking for and what I need to know. That was my aha moment that, yes, trusting your teams to have answers and trusting your teams to know more than you in some certain situation. That was really my, my big moment. I, I go back to, and I say this a lot of times, in management meetings and when we talk about employees and development is we were all excited when we hire a new employee, we talk about their potential, what they bring to the table. And a lot of organizations I've been guilty in the past and organizations I've been at before, we get excited about the new hire, but then we handcuff them to just what we want them to do instead of what we need them to do. And we have to unleash today's labor force and today's teams and develop them and trust them to bring their knowledge and their solutions to us. You said something that's really important and it's this, the philosophy of you have to trust the people that you hire to execute well. And you also mentioned that oftentimes that gets lost post hire. How did you bridge that gap? What was your process for getting out of that trap? Wow, it's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. And now back to the show. We're taking the HR Impact Show on the road. As a loyal listener to the HR Impact Show, we'd like to invite you to join us live at the 2024 Transform Conference at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas from March 11th through the 13th. 
Transform brings together people-driven leaders, investors, and innovators across industries and backgrounds with a shared passion for people innovation and transforming the world of work. The 2024 Transform Conference is going to be the best yet. Here's what you can expect. Innovative showcases, probing conversations, hands-on learning experiences, 300-plus speakers, and more. Join us and let's shape the future world of work together. I like to say it's based on workplace maturity. I just grew up in the management and learned that sometimes we all are guilty of the mindset, I'm going to train and develop my employees because this is the way I know how to train and develop my employees. I think it was just seeing success of other colleagues, peers within my organization, learning from others, being willing to learn from others. The moment that really stood out was one of my team leaders came to me and just gave me the information. And I, and I do think that I had set up a culture where we had that give and take. We could disagree and present different arguments and different uh, solutions without any retaliation or repercussion, because let's admit it, that does not exist in all organizations. I've been fortunate, especially currently, that diversity of thought is welcomed. And, and that's another thing that's evolved over the last five to seven years. It's really I'll say really helped with my growth is that diversity of thought as we've gotten second and third generations of immigrants in the workplace and second and third generation, first time college prepared or certified, or, or we just have so much more diversity of thought in our organizations now, and especially where I'm working now in the uh, Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, most any urban area you have that diversity of thought from all sorts of cultures coming together. So I look at over my career, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, departments looked like the leader. They looked a lot like who was leading them. No matter who was leading a department, we like to hire people who think like us and have our same background. And that's good. And there's no problem. There's not a fault with that, but there's also, there is a fault if you're not open to other ideas and, and other thoughts. That's an involvement in the workplace that has to occur to develop these high achieving teams. You have to have that diversity of thought. You have to have people who think differently. This nation and this world has evolved because people thought differently. Yeah, I, I like the point that you're making about diversity of thought. I think that applies to, in broad terms, differ, diversity across a number of different dimensions. And the thing that stands out to me is that every leader comes into that seat with a set of blind spots and they're called blind spots for a reason. And if you're not surrounding yourself with people who, who bring different perspectives to that table, you're always going to have that blind spot that exists. And over time, that blind spot could be a massive weakness to your team. There's another thing that keeps coming up in, in what you're talking about and this concept of development. So we talked about early in the conversation that you need to have a generational mindset, uh, a generational impact mindset to, to build an elite team. But there's a development component in it as well that ties to the employee life cycle. So tell us about how that's connected with building the type of organization that performs at a high level. Why is development a, a critical facet of building elite teams? For me, there's a number of reasons. And the first one I'll speak to is most of us in any organization, especially in a service role or support role, such as human resources, human capital, people operations, we want to make a difference. Most of us are in this role because we like making a difference to an organization and to people. And that's the first thing is 
being empty, growing someone. You made a great point about blind spots. We are a strengths-based organization that really looks at employees, what their strengths are, motivating them by their strengths. But the flip side of that coin, and really you have to look at the flip side of every coin when you're looking at an employee's strengths and their talent and their development, is you have to look at, okay, where's the opportunity to grow and develop just as equally as important as taking advantage of the strengths they have? Because to me, development is identifying and acknowledging those blind spots and those opportunities to develop in an employee and, and I'll self-reflect on myself. It's been very eye-opening for me as well to acknowledge and see what my blind spots are. And it's anytime you, you sit down or you're evaluated or you're tested or, or someone speaks with you like, yeah, I am like that. Or I do see that as a, as a blind spot. So I, th I think those are the two key components to me is one, you acknowledge the strengths when you're developing someone, you, you, they have strengths and you want to invest in that individual. You want to develop them, but to develop an individual for leadership and for growth, you also have to acknowledge what the opportunities and the blind spots are. And you may not ever get those up to the superior level, but you get them up to acknowledging they're the workable level, or they're the, at least the level of understanding that you need in leadership and management. That development uh, component of the employee life cycle that we're talking about. How does that tie into what we mentioned earlier, where employees mm -hmm. and candidates coming into your organization are looking for more than just a, a list of tasks that they need to accomplish. They're looking for what the broader vision is. How does development and a development mindset within an organization help you meet the needs of employees when it comes to the bigger picture? We started at our onboarding and, and orientation process informing the employee of the history of the company, the opportunities. We have a wonderful intern program. We've had a lot of growth from within and we promote that growth from within. There's again, going back to a business partner, there is, there is an economic advantage to promoting your own. There is a morale advantage to growing and promoting your own. I'll go back to one of my earlier answers about transparency and seeing what the history of the company has done, if we tell an employee, we're going to develop you, we want to put you through this program, or we want to give you this task, we want to assign you a committee, we want to have you on a project for your development, and they can see that there's been a legacy and, and historical evidence that if I do this, I will grow to a role that I am more excited about, it may be in management, it may be promotion, it may be leadership, or it may be just something that as simple as have employees do what they want to do and what they like to do. When you ask an employee what they want to do, actually listen to them. I mentioned transparency earlier. Listen is another key component. We ask employees, what do they want to do or what do they think? When they tell us, let's listen, don't just make it part of a conversation, make listening an action item because to develop, you've got to listen to the employee. The employee will tell you everything you want to know. You just have to listen. I really like uh, your emphasis on listening. And there's an action component that uh, you didn't directly call out, but it's not enough to just listen. You got to do something with what's, what you're being told. This has been a really good conversation. I think one of the things that's going to be helpful is mapping out some of those blockers or pitfalls that uh, a leader might encounter when they want to build 
this impact-oriented organization or impact-oriented culture that puts an emphasis on development? What should they be watching out for? I think the first thing that we need to recognize and acknowledge now is the employee has more impact on an organization than the organization used to have on the employee. We talked earlier about traditional mindset of employers, and that's just not the case now. It may not be what an employee, uh, an employer does or an organization does, but what we can't do anymore is have the mindset that if this employee is not happy or this manager is not happy. I've got 10 more people that wants their job or would take their job. I've been part of organizations history when I first started, and I've heard that statement made in public and private sector is if they're not happy, we've got six other people that'll want their job. And that's not a mindset we can take today because the data and the and the information of the labor force backs that theory is we've seen the statistics. HR leaders will tell you if every open position today were filled by the available workers, there'd still be a million empty jobs. There's not enough of a labor force to fill all the jobs that we have in this country. And when you get into and upper level positions and developing a workforce and developing managers. Yes, a lot of people want to be a manager. I see more employees declining leadership roles now more than ever. And I think that's a sign when you see someone that's not interested in a leadership position or they take a leadership position and then say, I'd rather go back to something else, or I'd rather be a supervisor than a manager or something like that. I think we need to take stock in what the employee is telling us. It's not always the employee who's at fault in the development. We have to take ownership as an organization. We have to be responsible for the development of the employees. We can give the opportunities, give the tools. We have to do that. We say we're going to do that. Every organization prides itself on saying, you're going to hear every organization say we're an open door company. And we like to see the growth of our employees. Let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's invest in those employees and listen to those employees. It costs nothing to listen. It costs nothing to communicate. And it costs nothing to be honest in the workplace. And organizations have to be because the tables have turned. There is a labor force dictates the success of the organization more so than the organization. You've got to develop those employees, you've got to develop your culture and you've got to develop transparency and honesty in the workplace. Everyone has to be a partner to each other. Really solid stuff, Tony. And I think the connective tissue that that ties it all together is coming from what you've mentioned earlier on the conversation is that HR and leaders in general need to be thinking more in terms of being true partners across the organization versus administrative functions within an organization. If you're a leader within any function and you're looking at your team as, oh, there'll be six other people that can fill this job, you're never going to transition from being just somebody that manages activities to somebody that leads to outcomes. So I think that's an important thread to tie together. So when we look at this entire conversation that we've had and you're advising a leader out there on what they can be doing or how they can get started in making the pivot to a style or an organization or a culture that's much more impact oriented, how would you advise them to get started on this? What I've seen be successful as far as how to be impactful is you have to have collaboration within your team, 
You have to have collaboration across departments and your leadership teams have to collaborate one another. You, the biggest fear that I have in any workplace is seeing departments and leaders work in silos, only informing when a decision is made. Be collaborative and be collegial in the workplace. That's, that would be my advice. It's always my advice. It's something I try to practice. Also something I try to lead by. And it goes, but it just ties into so many themes that we've talked about as far as honesty, transparency, being a business partner, diversity of thought. When you have that collaboration and collegiality, all those things fall into place after that. If people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I would welcome it. I can be reached at email. It's tguptonallnativegroup.com. That's T-G-U-P-T-O-N. And all native group is one word. Look forward to it. You can find me on my LinkedIn page. I've enjoyed it, Jim. Look forward to hearing from others out there and discussing all things HR and how we can grow our industry. And again, make an impact that's generational. I appreciate you hanging out with us. When I think about this conversation, there's a few things that I want to call out that I think it's important for the listeners to take inventory of. I think in broad terms, if your point about HR needs to be a business partner versus an administrative function is really important. And I think the way that you bridge that gap or make that transition is by getting out of that cookie cutter mentality or cookie cutter approach to how you administer or serve an organization. You have to look at the enterprise, you have to look at the division, you have to look at the individual and build custom solutions that meet those people where they are. And I think that's the first step in making that transition. The other aspect is that you can't take a cookie cutter approach to how you build that development culture and that development organization. It's not a one size fits all approach. And what that means is that you have to be okay with some of the folks in your organization wanting to be just high level technicians versus transitioning into some sort of leadership or management role. That isn't the path for everybody. So as HR leaders and as people leaders, you have to be able to account for that in how you're building out your team. You have to be intentional about having a transformational mindset versus a transactional mindset. A lot of the thoughts that we have about the employee landscape is rooted in that transactional mindset. And if you ever want to build an organizational culture that emphasizes development and retention, you have to shift away from the cog in the wheel mentality that many of us have come up. You know, it's important to get away from that because that's the only way that you're going to actually be able to be successful in developing the type of culture that we are talking about in this conversation. Tony, really appreciate you hanging out with us. For those who have been listening to the conversation, thanks for hanging out as well. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review and then tune in next time where we will have another leader joining us and sharing with us the game-changing realizations that help them build a high-performing team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash hrimpact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.